If you know stakeholders and organizations have a very logical, rational approach towards marketing or towards creativity, well, then don't go to them with, you got to check out this idea. It's really funny. Look at this script. Look at these storyboards. Wow, isn't it amazing? It's like apples and oranges. It's the wrong language. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of our podcast series, Reinventing B2B, produced by Just Global. We're an independent B2B agency and recently crowned B2B Global Agency of the Year. In this series, we're challenging the norms of B2B marketing. We're giving you tools to stand out. And we're going to be talking to some of the best minds in the industry. In this episode, How Not to Be Boring, we'll be talking about creativity and B2B marketing. My name is John Barkworth and I'm VP of Strategy here at Just Global. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Guy Bauer from Umalt. Guy's the founder and creative director of Umalt and they, according to him, make wildly creative B2B video ad campaigns people actually want to watch. I joke about that, but actually that's how we came across Guy. He's been making commercial videos for over 20 years and is also the host of the podcast Death to the Corporate Video. Guy, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this on Martin Luther King Day. How was your weekend? It's great. Thanks so much for having me, John. It, it's a balmy negative uh, 22 degrees Celsius here, so I'm happy to be inside with you. Wow, that's cold. We moan about zero degrees, and uh, that was today. The uh, NFL not been going so great with you guys, apart from last week's game. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I mean, I'm a huge football fan. Unfortunately, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, so we got eliminated uh, from playoff contention. But I still enjoy it. The playoffs are the playoffs. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah, thanks again, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if you could start by just telling us a bit about your company. You know, why did you start it? I know when we spoke a couple of months ago, you mentioned this Jerry Maguire moment, which I think is really apt for a you know, like a video company. So yeah, tell me a bit about that. Umalt was founded in 2019 and it was basically after almost a decade of making very boring corporate videos um, and just kind of, you know, the standard, you know, interview the CEO, shoot people walking down a hallway in slow motion, people collaborating at whiteboards, all that kind of safe B2B corporate video stuff. Yeah, and after almost a decade of doing that, yeah, like like you said, I had this Jerry Maguire moment where I was like, I just, as a creative, I it's just the most unfulfilling work. But then also as a business owner, I knew the truth. And the truth was is that these things are ineffective. And that's no way to grow a business where, when you like can, when you knowingly know that, uh, you know, this work is not really effective because we would deliver these corporate videos and they would sit on our clients pages with like 35 views and no one liked them uh so yeah so after <laughs> after doing that uh started umalt in 2019 with the mission of making b2b stuff that's not boring which you would think is pretty easy but it's actually really hard yeah I, i've certainly got to be in my bonnet about that so on that note of like exciting effective what would you say has been your favorite you know bit of creative marketing you've seen over the last year or two what's really stood out aside from your own work and our work of course um what got your eyeballs there's so much good work i would say in the b2b space there was an ad done 
called This Is How We Work Now for uh, for Upwork. It's with this zombie. Uh, have you seen it? It's like a musical zombie. <laughs> it's really good. It's a it's a song. Um, I find songs super effective. I love making songs. They just get in your head. Uh, but essentially, it's a, yeah, it's a spot for Upwork. And the lead character is this dead CEO zombie. And basically, he's saying that the old ways of working are dead like him, like with offices and just old ways of doing everything live. And that now um, and by having full time employees and then now with Upwork, it's the new way, you know, the undead way is using freelancers and stuff like that. So I definitely recommend you check it out. It's called Upwork. Uh, this is how we work, I think, or this is how work is done. Cool. Sounds good. We'll take a look at that. I'm imagining looking at your videos, you get inspiration from movies. So to to sort of wrap up the introductions, if you could make any movie, what would it be? This question is a no-brainer, easy, can answer this any in one second. It's Star Trek. Uh, like, uh, you know, a continuation of Star Trek. I, I find that uh, Star Trek was what got me into making movies. It, it, you know, I, I watched Star Trek II Wrath of Khan probably at least 200 times in my lifetime. So those movies got me into filmmaking. And then I, I love the J.J. Abrams Star Treks. I think they're fantastic. So I would love to sometime in my life make some kind of science fiction Star Trek-y type thing. Great answer. So I suppose just getting into the meat of it, explaining to the audience how we came across you guys. We talked a couple of months ago because we'd seen your video ad, Possessed, the origin story of a B2B marketer, and it captured our imagination um, based on the way we were feeling about B2B marketing at the time. The essence of the story is about a mother worrying about her son who's been possessed by B2B marketing and the jargon that comes with it, like, you know, brand houses, sales funnels, MQLs, authenticity and ABM. And it really resonated with us because it pushes back against so much of what we're seeing in our industry. And I think our tendency, and this is this is kind of everyone really for being probably too serious, a bit too technical, too much jargon and not emotional enough. So Guy, I wonder if you could just tell me how this video came about. Yeah. So, and thank you so much for the kind words. Um, the fact that all of that resonated with you is like so personally fulfilling. I mean, how we make them is pretty easy. It's these are frustrations <laughs> that I have and that just come out on paper. I just make fun of stuff. Yeah. How it came to be with. Uh, so it's a movie trailer parody. So every uh, so in 2021, we had this idea for making a, uh, a horror parody trailer for Halloween. So we made a, a spot called the stalking. And it's about um, a woman who downloads a white paper and her coworkers are like, don't do it. Don't do it. They're going to, you know, they're going to get you. And uh, she's then stalked via text message, phone calls. Um, you know, she downloads the white paper. It's like one of those lame white papers that's like, you know, like be more authentic, stuff like that. Just like $2 advice. So um, and then she gets stalked and and that that performed really well. Um, and then we made another horror trailer in 2022 that performed really well. Uh, then last year we made two parody trailers. We made one that was parodying last of us. And then the one that you saw the possessed, that was another horror trailer. And so possessed was our most successful trailer because we had done three pre previous. And I think that's one of the 
key takeaways I like to preach is that marketing is just experimentation. And you have to experiment, experiment, experiment. And then when you nail something, when you, you know, hit something, then go in and tunnel in. And so possessed, very successful, but it took three previous attempts at a horror trailer for possessed to hit, if that makes sense. So you're saying you could have easily have given up, but it was like two things that, that made that work and I suppose made us see it. One was consistency and the other was around creativity and thinking around the problem, which, you know, we loved. And I suppose what I've heard in a number of places over the last th three months is that, you know, many, many B2B ads are becoming invisible. Um, research last year by the B2B Institute called out that like 78% of B2B ads are essentially like invisible or wallpaper. They're not polarizing enough. They're neither great or rubbish to get noticed. And, yeah. and that is one thing that you know, we're really trying to build into our thinking when we're working with clients and so on. And I suppose leading into the next part, it's what do you think this says about B2B marketing today? You know, your your business is based on the premise that our industry needs creativity. And in some cases, you know, we collectively are feeling like the larger organizations are, I'm not saying killing creativity, but maybe stifling. And there's, you know, there are challenges getting it through legals and stuff like that. What's your, what's your view on that? What do the best ads kind of do to overcome those problems? Yeah. So I think one of the primary reasons why b2b struggles with creative is that it's new you know creativity is kind of an emerging idea you know the b2b institute put out that um the the 2030 trends um and that was you know that's where a lot of these ideas of like hey this stuff is mostly bad and boring well that white paper that report just came out it's only two years old so this idea of creativity and branding and not be, being so features and benefit orientation and not uh, oriented and not being so activation oriented, this is new thinking. And so a lot of it, I think, is that organizations don't know how to process it. There's no real structure yet that has been established for processing creative. And then the other thing is psych psychologically is the risk that it takes. Like you said, they're does need to be a decision to polarize and b2b organizations are fundamentally not looking to polarize at all they want to do the exact opposite they want everyone to love them and that's just not possible i i think of it like um the musical hamilton so in the musical hamilton there's the good guy hamilton and then there's the bad guy aaron burr and hamilton is divisive and he really doesn't care who he offends. He just speaks his mind. He doesn't offend to offend. He speaks his mind. And whether it offends you or makes you love him, he's okay with. But he speaks his mind. He speaks his truth. Aaron Burr wants everyone to love him to the point of not speaking any truth and just speaking things in just very general, vague ways. Aaron Burr tells him in the musical... Uh, talk less, smile more, don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. That's how many B2B organizations view marketing, like Aaron Burr. And 200-something years later, Aaron Burr is the bad guy, not the good guy. Hamilton 
who was very polarizing is the good guy. We as humans like people and organizations who speak their mind, who aren't afraid to tell the truth. And so, but again, this is an emerging thought in B2B. This is new. So it's on us agencies and, and marketers to like nurture this thought and just keep preaching about it and just keep talking about it. And eventually it will become ubiquitous, but for now it's still emerging. And that's why there's a huge competitive advantage for the organizations who do act like Hamilton and not Aaron Burr. You can, boy, can you uh, capture excess share of voice now? Now is the time where you punch above your weight class. Yeah, I love it. So why in your experience then do you think that B2B enterprises tend to be a bit more risk averse when it comes to creativity in their marketing and activation? You know, that, that idea of, you know, you mentioned share of voice that takes brand effort, storytelling, you know, disruption, and often probably marketing organizations are focused on short term, you know, metrics. So what's your view on that? How, how can we overcome that? Well, I think we have to overcome it through speaking differently about creative. So meaning don't try to like if you know stakeholders and organizations have a very logical, rational approach towards marketing or towards creativity, well, then don't go to them with, you got to check out this idea. It's really funny. Look at this script. Look at these storyboards. Wow, isn't it amazing? It's like apples and oranges. It's the wrong language. It's like totally incompatible language that you're trying to argue with. Um because creativity is totally subjective, right? Um, so that's a losing argument. And Rory Sutherland talks about this in his book, Alchemy. Uh, you know, it's like trying to sell some kind of magical potion to a CEO. They're not going to do it. So what you have to do is take your idea and then almost convert it into C-suite thinking and, and speaking. And make a logical, rational argument for why you need this creative. Kind of backtrack it. So here's an example of how to translate something into a logical argument. So say say we have this spot, we're in kind of a FinTech. Let's say we're in FinTech and it's a funny spot. And FinTech, traditional big FinTech is very, you know, vague. They're very Aaron Burrish. They don't wanna say anything. There's lots of compliance. There's lots of regulation, stuff like that. But let's say we want to sell some kind of funny creative to the fintech stakeholder. Again, the worst thing you can do is go, hey, fintech stakeholder, this thing is really funny. Look at it. Come on. Isn't it funny? Because they're just going to, their risk brain is going to turn on and just say, yeah, but that's risky. Goodbye. So what you have to do is make a logical argument. And here's how you do it. Here's the best way. You um, pull up ads and creative from your top three fintech competitors odds are they're all going to have the same look and feel as your creative it you know vague kind of benefit statements like change your world or we empower you stuff like that that just means nothing put it on a spreadsheet or put it on like a, a deck a powerpoint deck and put the three creatives side by side and then put maybe your your current creative next to that and now the stakeholder can see and make a very logical 
uh, decision that, well, it makes no sense to do what everyone else is doing. And now you've, using logic, convinced them to do something different. And then lo and behold, you have this creative idea that is something different. So it's just putting it in a different spin. You cannot argue creative. You will lose every time. You can't go with an idea. What you have to go with is logic that leads to an idea. You know, when they're worried about their personal reputation, especially in that example you gave in fintech, is that a barrier? And does that come over time with trust? Do they do they start believing you more over time? Do they does that reputation become less of an issue? Yes. So try to do little things that lead you to an end goal. Think of this as a five-year plan rather than, yeah, we're going to do something really game-changing next month. Think of it, maybe five years is a little long, but you know, think of it in terms of let's turn this ship in two years. Let's give ourselves eight quarters to take little baby steps and show the stakeholders not only is it safer to be bold and us, it's actually safer, but their reputation will kind of precede them. A lot of times what we've se- what we've seen is, uh, you know, our um, the C-suite stakeholders of a lot of our spots will will go to a conference and everyone will be like, oh, you made that thing. That was hilarious. You know, and they're like, oh, wow. Like it actually they'll start psychologically wrapping their head around like, oh, so actually you can make a dent in the universe if you say something unique. So take little small things, little small steps towards this, you know, towards the creative you want to be doing. Get them used to it. And like I said, it's actually safer to be unique. It's kind of like in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He's in the speedboat and he's uh, approaching two ships that are like slowly coming together. And if he stops, he's going to get crushed. What does he have to do? He has to go faster. And that's kind of that like bold decision. It's the way to be safe in that scenario with the two ships coming together to avoid being crushed is to go further into it at a faster rate. That's kind of counterintuitive and that's very uncomfortable for organizations to do. But what you have to do is, again, yeah, work slowly, take little baby steps, and eventually your organization will get the appetite for creative risk. And by creative risk, I don't mean do something that's going to get you in trouble, something that's you know awful that hurts people. I mean something that takes you into the Hamilton direction where you're saying your company's unique thing in a bold way. Cool. I love that. So, so in summary, really, it's like creativity can improve and accelerate over time. Continual testing looking at the competition can help find a unique position for companies in terms of what's their creative voice, what's their angle, what's their story. That appetite for, I'll say risk, can can increase over time when you win over the win over your stakeholder, their their counterparts and peers in their business. So it it's like it gives us hope, right? It we feel like there's a chance to continually push the boundaries and and um, move all our clients forward step by step um, over time. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like redefining risk because that word risk inherently is bad, right? Like risk, bad. You don't want risk. But one of our clients who's a top four, uh, you know, big four consulting firm, their little phrase is 
risk powers performance. It is, in fact, risk that led to the enterprise in the first place, right? If you want zero risk, just close up shop and like run away and go live in the mountains, like off the grid with, you know, um, which is something that sometimes I've considered. But, you, you know, there there's inherent risk in just being alive and just having a business. So I think it's like upon us to recast risk and redefine risk as a business enabler, not some kind of thing that has to be avoided at all costs. And yeah, you're right. It's it's those little baby steps. So Guy, we you know, we're talking about how creativity can be stifled in B2B organizations. It's really easy to kind of beat the clients up, isn't it? But at some point we've got to look at ourselves, agencies, video companies. Who who's the villain, who's the heroes? What can we do? Are we to blame, you know? Uh partially, partially. I think I think there's almost this um, there's that meme of the three Spider-Mans pointing the finger at each other uh, that comes to mind here. How many times have you thought, ah, oh, this would be a great idea, but but then nah, they're, they're just not going to go for it. And so you almost in a in a in a way of servicing the client uh, because we don't want to look like we're not understanding them. Or uh, you know we don't want to introduce risk. Uh, we 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 ourselves kill ideas. There's so many ideas that we've had that have been killed um, because we thought the client was boring. And so if we're delivering stuff that's safe, they're only going to select something that's safe because that's all that we've given them. The most risky ideas don't even see the light of the of the presentation or the showreel. I think a lot of times when I look back, I mean, still to this day, now what I do is I present it, but I catch myself to this day striking ideas because, well, that's just crazy. Sometimes the crazy ideas, and maybe they are too crazy and risky, but you can start at that craziness and then wind it back, just like take it back over the edge, right? So I think that's something that I think us agencies need to take accountability for is believing that our client is boring and believing that our client wants boring. The reality is, is nobody wants boring. Nobody, like no client, even the most boring client wants something boring. But it's it's this idea that we feel that they want it and then when they only get to select from boring concepts, yes, then they will select a boring concept. So it's we are reinforcing their behavior uh, or organizations' behavior. I don't want to make it an us versus them, but yeah, for sure. And I think another thing that agencies do, assuming that all of the people consuming this ad want to consume an ad, a lot of the times when we make ads or do creative or anything like that, we compare it to other ads. 100% of the people consuming advertising are not wanting to consume it. They're trying to consume their content. They're trying to read their article or watch the video they were trying to watch or, or do whatever before your ad interrupted them. And so your ad is being digested and consumed not in the paradigm of ads, but in the paradigm of just general life, meaning they're not going, wow, this is a great ad. They're like, this ad is annoying and boring. 
and interrupting my content. Now, that's whether it's a $1 million ad with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and you got like special effects going and it's really funny or a boring ad because both are interrupting the content and the life of our prospect. So that's another mistake agencies make is like assume that you're the person consuming the ad. What are you going to do to actually entertain that person rather than interrupt them? Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's so often we are we're doing competitor reviews uh, in terms of the last podcast, looking at intent, find out what our B2B audience is searching on. What we're not doing is comparing, you know, how our video or our ad or our campaign sits amongst all the other noise in these people's lives. So, I, you know, I know I scroll through Instagram, you stop on on the humor, the dogs, the cats, the, you know, the accidents and calamities and all that stuff. And we, yeah, we very much um, look to our B2B peers or our clients' competitors to to kind of work that out. So you mentioned interrupt, um, which kind of leads me to think about performance and success and getting noticed. I wonder if you could share an exa- a real example of a campaign where you believe creativity made a difference it, it made an impact on you know their 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 investment the bottom line whatever the commercial metric was so i'll i'll bring up uh and and this is a case study you can uh, read on our website uh it's for this company called slingshot and they make uh controls for flow cytometry so we're talking we're in the biopharmaceutical realm their clients are doing research on like very like high, high end, like I'm talking like their clients are COVID researchers. Okay. And they're using flow cytometry, which took me like a month to learn what that is. And they make artificial controls. They make uh, like 3d printed controls, which are these little tiny beads that act as cell mimics. What I'm trying to do by setting that client up is, oh my gosh, they are so B2B and they are like way niche down. And the ad we made for them was a funny ad, like kind of making fun of the fact that they don't use controls. This is a very deep thing. Like we're talking like a very inside joke in the flow cytometry space. But anyway, we made fun of the fact that most flow cytometry experiments are are not done with uh, controls. They're done with like different different mechanisms. So it was a funny ad. And our client said that it had a 700% increase in ROI. And, and this was, again, our client was like our, um, our internal advocate. But inside the C-suite, there was a little, uh, you know, they weren't sure because it was a funny thing. And the, they're in a very pharmaceutical space where everything is clean and perfect and uh, being funny. I don't know. But it worked. And then from the C-suite, it came down, let's do more. And we just did another nine ads for them. And they're all funny and weird, right? And they gave us more license to get even crazier. Um, So that was a really good example of like very tangible outcome of creativity powering business performance. It's not always that cut and dry. It's really hard for, you know, marketers and especially us. We only do video ads. So it's very hard for us to like, you know, how do you get a business outcome? But people got excited about their brand because they were entertained. They, it made them laugh. I'm assuming then that in, 
in the in that video and in those videos there is you know that there are stories you're telling a story everyone talks storytelling yeah i'm probably guilty as well but you know you're in in making movies you have to tell a story in 30 seconds in a minute in in whatever time to engage the audience what you know what part does storytelling play in in the videos you make for your clients how do you try and incorporate elements where the you know the material can be quite dry um, or serious or, or whatever honestly i don't think about storytelling i i know like it's important it's what we do and all that stuff but i think that's another kind of misstep that a lot of agencies and brands make is that they go okay we need to do storytelling all right let's look up a character arc so the character is introduced then they have a problem and we always try to put things in frameworks and steps and all that stuff. So I don't really see the storytelling. The slingshot ad in particular is not like a, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. You know what it is? It's a skit. It's a funny skit that you used to do with your friends. How many times there's, this has happened a few times where we've engaged with a client and we're going through our creative process and all that stuff. And then the client was like, well, you know, I've always had this idea and it's this funny, crazy idea where duh, 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 and I go, oh my gosh, that's great. That's perfect. And it's just a little skit that they have. Like so many times, like we over bake the storytelling angle. I think it's absolutely critical. I'm not trying to poo poo it, but like, um, you just have to be entertaining. Think of it from an entertainment point of view rather than some kind of yeah storytelling formula there is no framework so slingshot has no yeah no clear story it's just funny stuff he's saying forget stories start writing see what comes out of people i think you mentioned the word entertaining and i i heard or read an article last year that was saying don't call it content marketing call it entertainment you know label the team the entertainment department and you know we probably should do that in our agency and i think um you know there's some there's some great thinking in that that we should be trying to apply you mentioned humor last week the drum publication in the uk i don't know if it's uh, over there in chicago but they they published an article that was about how after decades of decline humor in advertising is kind of roaring back in 2024 What's your perspective of that? Are you have you seen that already? Were you already on it in twenty twenty three? How's that working for you? Well, I'm naturally predisposed to, you know, I started making videos when I was in the, in middle school with my friends making funny skits and stuff like that. So I I naturally love humor, but yeah, I have seen that. I've seen the appetite for humor grow. But here's actually I can give you a little like easy hack because humor isn't for every brand. We're doing a spot, we're shooting a spot on Friday that isn't funny at all. So my little hack is if you look at, like go to Adweek's top 20 ads of 2023. If you look at all the best ads, they're gonna fit 99, 99% of them, or maybe 90% of them will fit into one of three buckets. There are 10% that don't, that are exceptions, but 90% of work that people love will fit into three buckets. Those three buckets are funny, which we covered. The second one is beautiful. So make a thing that is so beautiful that people can't help but look at it. So I don't know if you've seen this Patron ad. It's a gorgeous ad. It's beautiful, 
right? It's absolutely gorgeous. So that's the second one. And the third one is make me cry. Funny, beautiful, make me cry. Try to fit into one of those three buckets. And at least you have like, um, at least you have like the macro concept bucket in something that people naturally like. And if you search your mind of all the creative that has ever come across your brain, they're going to fit into one of those three buckets 90% of the time. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. When you talk humor for the first point, I can't readily recall something that I can that's, that's coming straight to mind. When I think of like beautiful ads, I think about probably Apple, maybe Ikea in some of their ads as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. The, the, the ad that actually made, I think, a lot of people in our agency come to tears was a $700 video about a, a pub in Ireland that was, that, that was, and it was all about the, the pub and the old guy who had no friends who went to the pub and met a couple and they looked after him. And it was just so, the, the story was brilliant. You kind of immediately like hooked in and listened. And I know there's a lot of, you know, the Slack channel kind of went crazy as people were sharing that. And yeah, there was a Guinness logo on one of the glasses he was drinking. Now, I don't know if there was a sponsorship deal there or whatever, but it was an unbelievably good video and, and emotional story. So completely relate to that. In B2B, what, what do you think we can learn from B2C marketing? Maybe what they can learn from us. I think what we can learn from B2C is that you need to market. It's not optional. There's a lot of B2B organizations think still to this day that marketing is, mm, it's like a cost center. It's going to be expensive and you don't get leads immediately. In that B2B Institute report, maybe it wasn't the 2030 trends. It was another report. They talk about the 95-5 rule. 95% of your target audience are not in market. Only 5% of your target audience are in market at any particular time which is why a lot of brand and creativity kind of, there is no immediate tangible number of leads, number of you know pipeline generated when you do something that's creative or that's more you know um, awareness, right? So I think what B2B organizations need to learn from B2C is why does Coca-Cola still advertise? They, to this day, why? Why does Toyota advertise? It's because they have to. They have to keep marketing in order to stay where they are. So why would it make sense for you not to market, right? Like, so A is that you must do it and you must do it on a consistent basis and not this fits and starts thing where you do one thing, you, you try to, you know, get an activation or you do some kind of brand thing and you give it six months and no leads come in. And so you give up on it and go, just go back to pure activation. It's not going to work like that. It's an ever evolving long-term thing this idea of marketing. So I think that's the main thing they can learn from B2C is just, just to do it and stop trying to be perfect. Yeah. Just put it out there. Oh, I forget what book I was reading, but they were like, why does bad marketing exist? Because it works. It still works. The worst mattress ad is better than no mattress ad, right? As long as your company puts something out, even if it's terrible, it's better than nothing. And then what you do is experiment and do what B2C companies have been doing for years and years and years. They test, 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 experiment, experiment. And then they find out a formula that works. And then just like we have Geico in the United States with, with the Gecko or, you know, I, I know um, 
what's that company in uh is it boots that does the yearly christmas ad oh there's a there's a few when you're talking there i was thinking about there's the christmas ads there are you know there's john lewis was the one historically that has been kind of leading the charge and when you talk about consistency and just keeping going like christmas doesn't start in this house anyway until the coca-cola lorry has been on our screens you know even bad ads work better than nothing like on the flip of that a bit what do you think are some of the the innovative or new trends and approaches that b2b marketers could consider to break away from the norm not just do the same thing every week every month here's what i would do here's the biggest trend i see and the way to win is stop trying to say everything in b2b there's this thing that you need to explain or else it's worthless. We need to tell people what this thing is and it's got to include all the features and benefits and or else no one will know what it is. Now, how is it that Salesforce with Matthew McConaughey, so there's these new Salesforce Matthew McConaughey ads where he's like in the land of AI and he just poses a question. If AI, if data is the new gold, then blah, 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 I forget what it is. He doesn't go like Salesforce is a CRM company that includes many verticals of blah, 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 blah. He doesn't go on and start explaining. He just poses some question and then assumes you're a curious, smart person who's like, hmm, Salesforce, what is that? And then they Google, which who doesn't sit in front of their TV with their phone? I would argue when I watch TV, I'm on my phone more <laughs> than the actual TV. Or, or whatever. I mean, who doesn't have a phone with them all the time? And that's what we're doing a lot for our our customers is, and they're getting a lot more comfortable with this, is not having to explain all the time. Realize that it's a multi-step process. There's awareness. The goal of awareness is just to get your brand name out there. And then if they're curious, they'll go to your website. And they'll figure out what you do. And then if there's a need, they may go into a, you know, a product page or something. And then you can, then your CRM and all your automated marketing can take over from there. Stop trying to do so much. You don't need to explain all the time. People will figure it out. They're very smart. Yeah, I often find myself working on like value propositions, trying to strip out the, the detail and the features and the benefits and all of that and relate it to the audience, the buyer and all of those things. And then, you know, we collectively as an agency work together then to try and bring that to life through creativity in whichever format. On that kind of point, how can we collectively or in our in our businesses, and I'm not really thinking about the clients here, but it, it is in collaboration with them, like foster that culture of creativity, creative thinking in, in the organizations to you know, think outside the box or think into a new box or whatever the phrase might be and do things differently. I think it's by redefining success parameters. We need to get out of the idea of number of leads generated because no piece of creative that's top of funnel, that's awareness or brand building will generate a ton of leads or it'll generate the same number of leads as something way cheaper and more activation-y. We need to redefine success parameters for example the you know the spacex starship blew up like four months ago everyone was like ah oh, it sucks it's terrible uh, it doesn't work well that 
test was a test. It was not meant to go to the moon or whatever. And the fact that it blew up, actually, they they made it blow up because it had the test was over and it was starting to go out of control. The goal from that launch was to get data. The data will then be used for the next launch. Redefine success parameters as data finding missions rather than lead generating missions. Because if if we're always just behold, you know, to the MQL number of MQLs or whatever, it's oh, it's going to squash creative. What you want to do is when you launch campaigns that are creative, you're on a mission to find success indicators that will lead to creative further down the line that will just like we did our first horror trailer was in 2021 it wasn't till the one in 2023 where it actually hit and led to the leads so it took two years of testing and ships blowing up and i'm okay with that investment because eventually the leads will come so your goal is not always leads your goal can just be finding data seeing what works and then moving and ever evolving looking ahead then what do you see as being the the future of creativity probably focused on video in b2b marketing how can companies get ready for it what's you know what should their next chapter be when thinking about using video in their campaigns i think it's again starting those baby steps now start experimenting maybe without engaging an agency just do some internal stuff right? Post something. Maybe it's a meme or something. Uh, maybe it's something you make homemade. Now there's tools like runway.ml where you can just make a AI generative AI um, video. Try testing things and getting the organization used to, oh, did you see that thing? Did you see that thing we posted? You know, a lot of a, a huge side effect of marketing and, and I, you know, I'm in the video realm is your internal people see them too. And it gets them proud to work where you are. And maybe they'll post it to their LinkedIn and, and you know, and, and amplify it. So I would just start priming the pump here. Start doing little projects that are so below the line, uh, like so below the radar, like the, the altitude where radar picks you up. Just fly under the radar and do a little... We're priming the pump. Do you do you worry about a, the you know the AI tools that are generating video quickly and easily? Do you worry about that, or do you still think the skill isn't in that production? The skill is in the idea, the creative, the 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 humor, the story. Yeah, no, I'm not scared. I think uh, as of now, generative AI is just a uh, what it does is it takes averages of stuff that has already been done using math. Um, so it can't actually think new things. That's where you, the marketer, or you, the agency person, have to be a human. So stop acting like a computer, so formulaic to the rules. Pl paint outside the boxes. And we have to stop being so afraid of failure. Like if you cause brand damage, that's failure, right? So don't do something like stupid. But the worst thing that happens when you fail at marketing is nothing, nothing happens. There's like no comments, no likes, no nothing, no results, just nothing. So the next chapter in their story is to not be average, right? It's to not fall into that trap. Would you agree? Totally. Just go for it. I've got a few questions now that 
I want to ask. So number one, uh, what advice do you have for your for B2B marketers who want to take a more creative approach but are facing internal resistance in their organizations? Start small. Think big. Video content can, on occasions, get round brand guidelines. Yes, all the time. How do companies stand out in a crowded market? Being Hamilton. Which companies leverage humor the most effectively in their video marketing without compromising brand image? I think Geico here in the States. If we're on B2B, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough question then, right? <laughs> I would say, you know, some of our clients, uh, you know, Matomo, Dell, Slingshot. In terms of, you mentioned companies there from different industries. Do you think there are some industries that are more open to pushing the boundaries of, of video and creative because the industry is a bit more open? I mean, I immediately think of like construction trade. We're not in that business. We're in tech marketing, but I think they can use humor because the audience can be, you know, a bit more feet on the ground. What do you think about that? I, I would see that tech is almost, it's, it's a little bit of a requirement to be very modern and and uh, pushing the creative boundaries if you're in tech. So we're, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Guy, I really appreciate your time just just for our audience. You know, we've partnered with, with Guy and his team to produce a short guide to injecting creativity into B2B marketing for greater results. Um, that will soon be on our website in the insights section. Join us next month where we'll be taking a loving look at integrated marketing right around the time of Valentine's Day. We'll have some extra special guests to look forward to. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts. Guy, before we do go, if you could give one piece of advice to CMOs, what would it be? Just do it. Go for it. But also, I would say do it with speaking the language of your fellow C-suite members. Don't go in there with guns blazing with creative and using creative language. You have to speak the language of the C-suite. Translate it into that language, but do good stuff, you know, underneath it. Guy, thank you. Really appreciate it. Good to see you and uh, no doubt catch up soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. This has been fun. <laughs>